Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and this radio show is being broadcast from the great state of North Carolina. We're under Stevie B's Media Production Studio. We're just having a great time here each week. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to be able to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts or special guests on this radio show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call to Steve B. Media Production. Steve B's Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my two speakers on the program this evening, my special guest speaker, Brandon Blankenship, and my co-host, Lou Gibbert, as they break unto us the bread of life. We ask that you will continue to bless uh, my special guest in the community corner, Denise Hamilton, as she serves our community as well with her various talents and gifts to uplift our neighbors. We pray that you will bless all of them that's their families that support their efforts as well. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning into this radio broadcast via Blog Talk Radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of your will. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful unto death. Father, we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast this evening. In the first segment, my special guest speaker is Brandon Blankenship. He will be starting a new work as the evangelist in July with the Chapmanville Church of Christ there in the state of West Virginia. And in the community corner, my special guest is Denise Hamilton. She's a motivational speaker. Also, she's an author. She has a new book that she's writing now. And uh, her program is called Watch Her Work. We look forward to talking to her 
in the community corner. And in the last segment, my co-host, Lou Gilbert, he served as the evangelist for the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next word you hear will be that of my special guest speaker, Brandon Blankenship. Enjoy the show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. All right, you worshipers. It's time to forget about all the trouble that was brought in our life. Give it over to God. Yeah. I want you to know right now at this time. We got to give it praise. Let everybody worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, come on, Saint. It's worthy. Worship the Lord. 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 from the Lord radio show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my special guest speaker, Brandon Blankenship, and his subject, God's true nature. Good evening. Uh, Once again, my name is Brandon Blankenship. Uh, Our lesson this evening is going to be from Nahum chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and the title of this lesson is God's true nature, God's true nature. If you were to do a survey regarding the question, what do you think about God? In other words, you, you, you're just going, walking down the street and you encounter people and you just happen to stop and ask them, hey, what do you think about God? What's your perception of God? Uh, what do you, what is his, some of his characteristics? 
undoubtedly you're you're likely going to get various responses uh some positive responses some negative in other words uh, if i run across someone who believes in christianity um then i'm probably going to get a lot of positive responses about god whereas if i would uh, encounter someone who uh attests to uh, maybe atheism or uh, uh who claims to be an agnostic or or what have you uh, surely they're going to uh, have more negative responses but but if you were to ask do a survey again and ask some of these people uh, some of the positive responses may would be okay God is love. Uh, that's a very common one. That's that's one that people uh, really, uh, whether you know the Bible that well or not, that's one that your people are typically going to say. Another one is people say God is merciful. God is merciful. He's going to show mercy to, to people, uh, unlimited mercy. And, and maybe you run into another person and say, well, God is patient. God is patient. Well, again, as I said earlier, you're going to also encounter some negative responses uh, among people, and they're going to likely say things like, well, God is jealous. Uh, the God of the Bible is jealous. God is wrath. Uh, God is judgment. Uh, things of that nature. And uh, certainly if you're talking to, a, again, an atheist or, or someone uh, of that nature, they're going to be like, well, since he is these things, since he's jealous, since he's wrath, since he's all about wrath and all about judgment, uh, I can't serve a God that the God of the Bible. I, I don't believe in the God of the Bible because that doesn't make very much sense. Well, what if I told you that all of these things are technically true about God? Uh in some form or fashion, all of these things accurately describe God in some way. Uh, the thing that we have to realize is, is situations and circumstances that we all find ourselves in from time to time and the biblical characters found themselves in from time to time are, is typically going to decide the nature of the God that we get. Uh, again, God is capable of being love. God is capable of being merciful, patient. He's certainly, biblically speaking, jealous at times. He's, he shows wrath at times and he shows judgment. Again, depending on how we respond to him, whether we're obedient, we're disobedient, and how we're living our life may determine what God we get. And we can go throughout the Bible and apply, I know I said our lessons in Nahum chapter 1 verses 1 through 8, but we can go throughout the Bible and apply all of these characteristics to God at some point in time. Uh, this isn't just with Nahum. This isn't just a Nahum thing. This is, this is characteristics that describe God all throughout. But that doesn't make God, and this is, this is what people from the negative side would say, just because we can find all these different characteristics about God at different times and different situations and circumstances, that doesn't make God inconsistent. It doesn't make God contradictory. It doesn't make God fake or not real. It, it actually just proves how God responds and has responded to different circumstances. Ultimately, 
it allows us to understand God's true character better so that we can attempt to stay on God's good side so that we can we can receive the positive characteristics of God instead of the negative things like the jealousy, the wrath, the judgment, and what have you. So in this lesson, in, in Nahum chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, Nahum gives us insight into four undeniable facts about God in, in which we need to be aware of in our lives. Now, for Nahum's purpose, he is communicating these facts to Nineveh, as we see in uh, verse 1. It says, The oracle of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. So, so he's, he's communicating all these, these facts to Nineveh uh, about him uh, through Nahum. And throughout the book, Nahum is actually warning Nineveh, in other words, the Assyrians. Uh, Nineveh was the, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Uh, he's actually warning Nineveh about their upcoming destruction for their sins and unfaithfulness to God. And we can, we can go to 2 Kings chapter 17 and, and, and uh, learn that. But the first point we're going to look at, the first characteristic uh, that we're going to look at about God and the, uh, is that God brings wrath to his enemies, according to verses 2 and 3. Let's look at that. Verses 2 and 3, it says of Nineveh chapter 1, A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his, on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is his way. And clouds are the dust behind, beneath his feet. I'm reading from the New American Standard. So, God brings wrath to his enemies. If we we're going to sum, down, sum those two verses up. In this in these two verses, we see characteristics about God in verse 2. He's jealous and avenging. Well, we know that God is jealous also from Exodus 20 and 5. We know God is jealous from Joshua 29, 14. God is jealous when people choose sin over him. That's when he's jealous. He's jealous when his own people, the Israelites, left him to go serve Idolatry and 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 the uh, Egyptian gods. God is avenging. It says there in verse two, as and He's avenging as a result of their continuous relationship with sin. That's why He's revenging. He is avenging and wrathful. He He takes vengeance. It says on His adversaries, and it says He reserves wrath for His enemies. God brings wrath. Upon his enemies. He, he's going to. That's why it's so important not to be an enemy of God. Because it never works out. We can read the Bible through and through. Being an enemy of God never works out for you. There are certainly consequences for people's disobedience to God. Whether people realize it or not. Some of them 
may be considered small consequences. Some of them may be considered large consequences. Some of them may be more impactful. But we have to realize sin has consequences. Disobedience to God has consequences. Now, verse 3 gives us some more characteristics about God here that, that really goes along with, again, the idea that God brings wrath to his enemies. Verse 3 says, He is slow to anger and yet great in power. So we take that and we think, well, yeah, God is powerful, but God's not a loose cannon. God's not someone who just, uh, we, we use the term, just fly off the handle. Uh, or, or just someone who loses their temper or, or throws a fit or what have you. That's not God. God is slow to anger, but yet great in power. However, when, when he does bring vengeance, it's important to understand when he does bring vengeance, he brings it with great power. And it says he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. The guilty will not get away with sin. No way, no how. There are always consequences to sin. We can read Numbers 32 and 23 that reminds us of that. And it says his way, which is judgment, his way is similar to a whirlwind and storm. He's just giving you illustrations here on, on, on some of the ways. I mean, these are little practical illustrations as to how God deals with sin and how God brings judgment and punishment. And the effect is when God strikes with vengeance and wrath, everyone is going to know it, as we can see throughout the Scriptures. God displayed this numerous times in the, in the Old Testament. If you look at Exodus 19, 16... It says, so it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And this is God getting ready to speak to the Israelites. Isaiah 29, 6 says, from the Lord of hosts, you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a consuming fire. So again, those are just numerous examples of this type of terminology, this whirlwind and storm. Uh, those, those are used throughout the scriptures to describe God's wrath, God's punishment, and how he brings wrath to his enemies. You remember in... Just to, to give you some more illustrations of this, to understand the power, the great power that God has and, and how he brings wrath to his enemies. You remember in Genesis 7 when God destroyed the entire world by water due to sin? What about in Genesis 19 when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire? What about how God destroyed the Egyptians with the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14? You see, all these are examples that shows you don't mess with God. God will bring wrath to his enemies. You don't want to be an enemy of God. We have example after example that shows that. That's why Romans uh, 15 describes and says the old those things written of old are for our learning. Well, 
you should learn from the Old Testament that God means what he says, and you should also learn that God brings wrath to his enemies. Although God doesn't necessarily work in this particular manner today uh, in a maybe a, a miraculous way is what I'm referring to. In other words, he's not going to just... Maybe he's already promised he's not going to destroy the entire world by water again. He, he may not do uh, what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. He may not destroy anyone with the Red Sea again. But we can still read of these stories and we can see the big picture that's being communicated. Again, God means what he says. There are consequences to sin, even today. And God repays the people who are unrighteous. That's the point of these first couple verses. Now, moving on to verses 4 and 6, we're going to learn another characteristic uh, or fact about God, and that is that God brings devastation to his creation. Verses 4 through 6 of, of Nahum chapter 1 reads this way. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The blossoms of Lebanon wither. Mountains quake because of him and the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence. The world and all the inhabitants in it. Who can stand before his indignation? A rhetorical question. Another rhetorical question. Who can endure the burning of his anger? No one can. His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken up by him. Again, God brings devastation to his creation. And we just looked at some examples a minute ago with regard to the flood, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Red Sea, with regard to destroying the Egyptians. But now here's some other ways he's explaining it. It says, he rebukes the sea and makes it dry, and he dries up all the rivers. Well, we can go to numerous Old Testament passages and see that same idea in Joshua 3, 15 and 16, Psalm 106 and 9, Isaiah 50 and 2, describe similar terminology if you want to jot those down and look at them later. But the, God, the, the point is, the God who created everything, the God who created everything, he controls it as well. That's it. That's, that's what's interesting. He, can, he micromanages it, or is at least capable of micromanaging it. It says he makes Bashan and Carmel and the blossoms of Lebanon wither. Well, if you turn to Isaiah 33 and 9, you'll, you'll see an example of that as well. Um, Isaiah 33 and 9 reads, The land mourns and pines away. Lebanon is shamed and withers. Sharon is like a desert plain, and Bashan and Carmel lose their foliage. The creation, the point is, the creation is not more powerful than the Creator. It's not more powerful than the Creator. God is in control. It, says, it goes on to say, He makes mountains quake, and the hills dissolve. You turn to Exodus 19, 18, 2 Samuel 22, 8, Psalm 18, 7. You see examples of that as well with this type of figurative, well, not figurative, but literal, literal description of God's power upon his creation. 
So even something as big and powerful as a mountain, as we look at it, we're, we're in awe, we're, we're amazed. Uh, I was in the Rocky Mountains for a while uh, when I went to Denver at, to Bear Valley Bible Institute to study for a few years. And um, you can just look upon the high mountains and you just, you're just in awe. But even something as big and powerful as those mountains, they have no choice but to submit themselves to God. Isn't that amazing? The earth, it says, and all its inhabitants are all at the mercy of Almighty God. Who can stand, the questions are asked, who can stand? before his indignation or endure his burning anger. Who? Name someone. And it says his wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks, he says, are broken up by him. Well, you turn to 1 Kings 19.11. And it says, so he said, go forth and stand. This is God. Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Isn't that amazing? Although God is causing all this from the disobedience, due to disobedience from his people, he's causing all this. He's capable of controlling all these things, the earthquakes and the... the the, the the mountains quaking, but he's not in any of this. He's not being affected by any of this. So still describing God's awesome, omnipotent, in other words, unlimited power. Isn't that amazing? Now, in Matthew eight twenty three through 27, and we're not going to read all that, just to give you some insight of it, Jesus displayed his deity and power by proving to his disciples that he too could control the wind and the sea. You remember that? The disciples found themselves in a boat with Jesus and a powerful storm on the sea began to rear its ugly head. Well, the disciples immediately thought their lives was over. And they quickly woke up Jesus and they said, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. Well, after questioning their faith, the text says that Jesus simply rebuked the winds and the sea. And it perfectly came calm. Well, like, yeah, just tell the, tell the, tell the winds and the sea to settle down, Jesus. I mean, that's, that's what he does. I mean, this caused the disciples to say, wow, what, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Well, that was the point. This wasn't just your ordinary man. Little did they know Jesus was not a man. He was God. And he has the same, had the same power that the God is being described here in Nahum. What do you think God reveals? Why do you think God reveals all these things to us? Is it just to flex his muscle? Is it just to show how powerful he is? God wants us to know the unlimited capabilities of the God that we're serving. That's why he reveals it to us. God wants us to know that he is superior to us. God wants us to know that it would be unwise to challenge or question him or his will. God wants us to know that fixing us or any difficult situation on this earth is light work for him. God wants us to know that we serve an awesome, powerful God that can make a difference, that can certainly make a difference in our lives. 
Thirdly, as we go through the text of Nahum chapter 1 here, in verse 7, we, we're going to see that God brings salvation to his followers. So, so far, if you're not careful, you're going to be afraid of God. Again, we've seen some uh, somewhat negative uh, factors, characteristics about God. That He brings devastation to his creation, verses 4 through 6. He brings wrath to his enemies, verse, verses 2 through 3. So if you just read that and stop, you're like, I don't know about this God. I don't know if I want to serve this God or not. What does he have to offer? What what good does he bring? Well, verse 7, the, the, the writer stop, Nahum stops to remind us that, hey, he, he does bring salvation to his followers, okay? And he makes it clear, even after all this, the Lord is good. Make no mistake about it, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. So the Lord is good. If one is not careful, again, God's nature, God's true nature for this point in the prior verses may scare us. It may cause us to think that God is not good, but he's bad. And he, he don't just end it with that by saying, well, God's good. Just trust me on this. He says God is good because he is our stronghold in the day of trouble. In other words, he's the one. If you're in trouble, he's your refuge. He's the one to go to. He's the one that can help you. Again, he's all-powerful. So again, those, those prior verses wasn't just meant to scare us. just to show us what he has power over, this whole creation. And this universe. So, so there's no need to, to panic in the day of trouble. God is your refuge. He's, the, he, he's your stronghold. As Psalm 37 and 39 and 40 uh, point out, God is our strength when we are weak. And it says, not only is this, is this his capabilities, it says he even knows those who take refuge in him. He knows those who take refuge in him. He knows us by name. He knows us. He sees us right now. God knows his people. God knows the difference. And this should scare us in a sense. God knows the difference who serves him and those who doesn't. He knows the difference, obviously, between obedience and disobedience. And Psalm 1-6 reminds us that he knows the difference between the righteous and the wicked, which, again, should scare us especially for those who want to be wicked. But it's interesting that this idea that God knows his followers, it carries over even in the New Testament. Because in John 10, 4, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Jesus, again, he shows his deity in that very verse. And he says, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep, so again, Jesus is our refuge in the New Testament. Jesus is our stronghold. God still provides salvation to his followers, but he does so through Jesus. And it's only through Jesus that we have a safe place. Fourthly, if we go through, continue through the text in Nahum chapter 1, verse 8, we see that God, and this is fourth and finally, God brings destruction to his enemies. God brings destruction to his enemies. It says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of its sight. 
and will pursue his enemies into darkness. So it's like, okay, he presented all this material at the beginning. He, he reminds his readers at the very beginning that, okay, God brings wrath to his enemies, verses 2 and 3. God brings devastation to his creation, verses 4 through 6. But, oh, by the way, in case that scared you, God does bring salvation to his followers, verse 7. But then once again, he goes and explains, but don't forget, God does bring destruction to his enemies. So in contrast to being a refuge to his followers, his enemies aren't so lucky. Nahum is speaking of Nineveh as God's enemies in this context due to their disobedience. God's destruction equals similar to an overflowing flood. Uh, we can see descriptions of that in Isaiah 28 and 2, uh, 28 17, also Amos 8 8. It says that clearly God makes a complete end of its sight. Whose sight? What's Nineveh's sight that he's making an end of? It says he pursues his enemies into darkness. In other words, God doesn't quit until the job's done. God doesn't take any days off. God doesn't just say, well, I'll look for you another day, and I'll bring my wrath upon you another day or my destruction. If you're an enemy of his and he's going to bring about wrath on you, he's going to get the job done. And, and this is speaking of judgment, this idea of him... Pursuing his enemy into darkness. He's speaking of he's going to bring judgment in, on, on them. Isaiah 13, 9 and 10 speaks of that as well. Now, Nahum spends most of the book, just to give you a kind of a context of, of what's going on in Nahum. Nahum spends most of the book prophesying about Nineveh's destruction. That's kind of the whole point of the book. Nahum 1, 8 reminds, reminds the reader Nineveh would, that Nineveh would face an overflowing flood that made a complete end of its sight. 110 says Nineveh's destruction came as they were drunken with their drink, as he describes it. Nahum 3.12 says that Nineveh would be overtaken with ease as their fig trees were shaken, causing fruit to fall off into the eater's mouth. And then in verse 13 of chapter 3, uh, he reminds us that Nineveh wouldn't be protected from fire consuming their gates and then in 319 Nineveh wouldn't recover it says because their wound was incurable now history tells us and, and, and this is just to show you the how the Bible is inspired and, and the amazingness of the word of God history tells us that Nineveh the ancient capital of the Assyrian Empire was, was actually destroyed in 612 B.C. Just as the Bible, Nahum had prophesied that it would be. Not that he prophesied that date, but he did say that it was going to happen soon. Now some question the existence of the city all, all the way up until it was discovered by Archaeologists. And I say the city Nineveh. Some question whether or not it even existed all the way up until an archaeologist named A.H. Layard in 1845 to... 1854 spent much time in excavation work. And interestingly enough, Nineveh once repented of their wickedness through the preaching of Jonah. Jonah 3.5, it reminds us of that. Thus God delayed their destruction according to Jonah 3.10. 
But again, through this man's archaeological work and excavation work, he found that, yes, there was a city called Nineveh. There was, Nineveh did exist, and they were destroyed in 612 B.C. Yet history tells us, again, Jonah, through his preaching, that God made Jonah go to, go to Nineveh to preach and warn them, he spared them of their wickedness. They repented through Noah, through, through Jonah. And God delayed their, their destruction in John 3.10. But yet, history tells us that approximately 100 years after Nineveh repented, they became worse than ever with regard to their sinful practices. History says that they were well known for their cruelty and violent actions. But eventually, as verse 8 indicates what happened, verse 8 of, of Nahum chapter 1, God would put an end to Nineveh. Now, here's a scary thought to consider. When we consider all the sinful practices that are going on in America right now, not just going on, but things that are even being promoted with pride. You hear of Gay Pride Month. You hear of people celebrating uh, homosexuals and transgenders and uh, you name it. But we have to ask ourselves, is there a time for the U.S. when God will eventually say, enough is enough? Will God one day become fed up with America's disobedience and just like Nineveh, make a complete end of its sight? Throughout the Bible and history, nation after nation seemed to have a, a wine vat, as the Bible describes it, that eventually gets full. And as a result, God drops the hammer on that nation. And I'm convinced that America is certainly no exception to that rule. Some concluding thoughts uh, when we think about this idea of considering the characteristics of God and, some of, and, and even uh, in addition to some of these examples from Nahum, again, God brings wrath to his enemies. God brings devastation to his creation. God brings salvation to his followers. Uh, God brings destruction to his enemies. Those are what Nahum describes as characteristics about God in factual, factual ways that describe God. But now, Exodus 34, 6, and 7, I think, is a good, also a good way of summing up God. Those verses read, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, so God's going to identify himself here. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious. In other words, I'm not going to let you make the judgment. I'm going to tell you what I am, what I'm about. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands. Who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet... He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. That sound familiar? Visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Some will say, well, this is all just Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. God, God's not like that anymore. Well, may I suggest to you that God's true nature, although, although God's doctrine may have changed, although some... some uh, 
the way we conduct ourselves as Christians, the way we worship, the way we're saved, the way we teach, and, and, and the way some aspects of faith has changed. But I want to suggest to you that God's true nature has not changed. How do I know that? Well, when we, when we look, when we understand that Jesus Christ is God, and that he was God on earth, he was the Son of God, he was the Messiah, he, was, he left heaven and came and, and put on flesh. When we understand that all that about Jesus, that he has the, all the same characteristics and, and, and his deity and, as God, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God doesn't change. God's characteristics hasn't changed. Now, he may change how he deals with certain things. He may change and not perform miraculous works anymore. But nevertheless, we can still make application. We can learn from these stories, as Romans 15, 4 tells us. We can learn some things about God on how he deals with sin and also how he extends salvation to his followers. May we learn from the mistakes that were made by many unfaithful people in the Old Testament, the results that came from them also, and not make them those same mistakes ourselves. May we understand that sin has consequences. I can't stress that enough. Sin has consequences. And may we understand that God means what he says and that his true nature has not changed in that respect. May we rightly represent. When, we're, when someone asks us the question, can you explain God to me? Can you explain the characteristics of God? I want to know a little bit about your God. I want to know about the God of the Bible. May we rightly represent God's true nature to people as well as what he, as what he brings and what he offers. God brings wrath to his enemies. God brings devastation to his creation. God brings salvation to his followers. But also he brings destruction to his enemies. May we learn to avoid God's wrath and destruction and turn to his salvation. I hope that you'll do that today if you haven't already. I hope that you will allow God to be your refuge through Jesus Christ. I, I pray that you will reach out to the nearest church of Christ and, and, and reach out to them and, and help them to study with them and allow them to teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which, if we show faith in Christ and we, and we practice repentance and are willing to confess Christ before men and are baptized in water for the forgiveness of our sins, then we have the hope of eternal life. And God will add us to his church. Won't you do that today? Thank you for being with me here today and, and, and taking the time to listen to this lesson. And I want to thank uh, Stevie Butler for once again inviting me to speak on this radio show. And I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Everyone have a good day. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at one 866 
513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this radio broadcast, you can contact me at Stephen B's New Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Or you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus outbreak, I will not be making any announcements regarding public assemblies until further notice, but I will be making announcements regarding the events and activities that are happening here on social media. But I do have one announcement. We have a local congregation here in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, the Helen Street Church of Christ, will begin. They have started meeting now in their building on Sunday morning for worship service at 10 and Bible study after those services at 11. So you can join them at 500 Helen Street in Fayetteville, North Carolina. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will present a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved and also information we got about the churches of Christ. It's also intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class and that class will be held on www.zoom.com and the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. On daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ prayer line hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. The telephone number for this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And the access code is 514-857. And my co-host on the Gospel Light Radio Show that airs here on Blog Talk Radio on Thursday evening, Steve Cordo. He has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There'll be a spring-summer series every fourth Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And this will be a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe as he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers in the Brotherhood of the Church of Christ. And the topic under discussion will be expanding the role of women in Christian worship. What a, a word from the Lord. And just a program reminder, Stephen B's New Production Presents, we're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio, and you can give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, and on Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord radio show, and each week we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be presenting a lesson from the Word of God, and we also have the Community Corner segment that's designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. I also have three co-hosts on this show, Lou Gilbert, he's an evangelist for the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and also my newest co-host, Shana Otis, she serves at the Greenway Church of Christ there in Mid. 
in Nashville, Tennessee. She has a team, the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry, and that single, that segment will air every third Tuesday of the month. And also my newest co-host, Isa Mullins, he's from the Helen Street Church of Christ here in High Point, not High Point, but Fayetteville, North Carolina. And on Thursday each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have eight co-hosts on that show who will be presenting messages from the Word of God. And each week I have two co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform called Shoutout that's on Facebook that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. And then on Friday night at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And on that broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And we also have the Story Glory segment where every first Friday of the month we're interviewing the artists that we actually plan on that broadcast. And we're also doing the Top 20 Countdown show every third Friday of the month. I'm counting down my top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of June next Friday night. Also, I want to make a special announcement. One of my dear friends that was on staff with me here with Stevie B's Media Production. Uh, Stevie B's Media Production. Uh, her name was Linda Dilly. She was killed this past week in a car accident. She was hit by a drunk driver. And on this Friday night, I will be doing a special tribute show to her, Linda Dilly. She was from Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was on staff with me here with Stevie B's media production since 2016. So we're certainly going to miss her. And our condolences go to her family as well. Also, my on-demand episodes... There's a variety of platforms, musical platforms, that you can hear these shows on. So I would like to mention some of the major ones. Uh, you can download these episodes on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on Apple iTunes, also on Amazon Music, on YouTube, just to name a few. Also, uh, I have a new sponsorship manager for these radio shows. Her name is Michelle Marco. So if you'd like to sponsor any of these shows, you can just give her a call at 954 687 4705. That's a Fort Lauderdale, Florida number. Now, I'd like to give a shout out to all of my sponsors. We certainly appreciate all those who are sponsoring these radio shows. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois. But there's the Memorial from the Director of Criminal Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas. Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yvonne Blazing Cracker Duke from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. Marquise Homer from Charlotte, North Carolina. Stephanie Booker Wilson. From Greensboro, North Carolina, Diversified Financial Network, LLC, out of Dallas, Texas, owners Mark Charlotte Carroll, and Ordained Fate Publishing from uh, Ordained Fate Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B's Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. Stay tuned, my co-host, Lou Gilbert, is up next. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show.
From the Lord Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host Lou Gilbert and his subject, A Convenient Season. Yes, yes. Okay, thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. The Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let me ask you tonight Has God been good to you? Has God blessed your life? Has God brought you from perhaps a mighty long way? Has God redeemed you? Amen and amen again. It's good to be here with you once again. I'm certainly grateful to our great God in heaven for blessing us and giving us another day to live and to praise his name and to share of the good news of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, my Lord and my Savior on tonight. I'm thankful to our gracious host, uh, Brother Stevie B, Stevie Butler, amen. He's just doing an outstanding job uh, every every week and every month. We're just grateful to uh, have a part in this in this program as co-host. We're just so, so grateful for this opportunity to preach the gospel of Christ as often as we do on this platform. And so we're just grateful. We encourage you to visit with us if you have the opportunity in the Philadelphia area from the uh, – Overbrook Park, Church of Christ, we meet at 7630 Woodbine Avenue in the city of Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the Overbrook Park section where the church in the heart of the community. And so we encourage you to visit with us. Uh, even now, we're on Facebook and uh, YouTube, and we just encourage you to look us up, uh, the Overbrook Park Church of Christ, uh, and you'll find these and many other lessons uh, there as well. I want to go uh, swiftly to uh, the text. Uh, tonight, I'm going to read a portion of this great text in Acts chapter number 24. Acts chapter number uh, 24, and I'll begin reading at verse 10 uh, just to give the context of what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight's lesson is, uh, as was stated, a convenient season, a convenient <clears throat> season. Acts chapter 24, beginning at verse number 10. Then Paul, after <clears throat> that, the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, for as much as I know that thou hast uh, been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people neither in the synagogue nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, 
which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with magnitude, multitude, nor with tumult, who ought have been here before thee, and object if they had ought against me. Or else let these same hearsay, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, uh, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of this matter, of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Lucilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. A convenient season. A convenient season. Seasons change. As we are approaching the summer months, we know that the season in many parts of the country has changed. In the area in which I reside, the Philadelphia metro area, I know at times it appears that the weather is a bit double-minded. While just the other week it was 54 degrees, and on today and this weekend it is in the upper 90s. That should alert some of us who seem to doubt the reality of life. You know, you may be living it up in the summer of your life now, but as we have seen, life can take a swift turn, and if you're not careful, you'll be caught wearing shorts in a blizzard. What am I saying? Seasons change. Uh, Along with that, our intention to do one thing or another changes as well. There are some things that we set out to do or remember But because of this thing called life, they don't always come to fruition. I remember a quote from a book from my grade school days entitled Of Mice and Men. Uh, The quote goes something like this. The best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. It speaks to the uncertainty of life. Then, of course, in the word of God, James lets us know. James says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, a little while, then vanishes away. There are no doubt 
many plans we have for this week. You have plans for this week or this month uh, that may or may not be realized. That's the thing, the thing about life here on earth. It's so uncertain. That's why the Bible declares, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The Hebrews 3 and verse 15. Uh, if there's one thing that uh, hasn't changed since Job said it, that is that man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Job 14 and verse 1. Someone has said nothing is certain but life uh, and taxes or death and taxes. I think it was Marvin Gaye who said uh, nothing but death, taxes, and trouble. Uh, that's just life, friends, this thing called life. Uh, friends, we don't uh, have a forever lease on life. Uh, we can be here today and gone today. We only have as many, we only have so many days to get it right. How many, we don't know, only God knows, but the psalmist sings, he says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom, Psalm 90 and verse 12. And so we have to consider our mortality for, uh, so that we can live our lives wisely. The, the Apostle Paul uh, the, the person in the text here uh, writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. He says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We have to listen to God, listen to God's word, and be wise, friends. And so a convenient season, uh-huh, a convenient season may not come. All the time we have is right now. If you're listening to me tonight, listen well. All the time you have uh, guaranteed is right now. And the next second, the next minute, the next five minutes, the next ten minutes, the next hour, the next day is not guaranteed unto you. Uh, Think about uh, in terms of our daily lives. And we've seen uh, many stories like this uh, on, on the news. How many mothers wish they kissed their children goodbye the last time they saw them. How many fathers wish they'd spent more time with their sons before life took them away? How many sons and daughters wish they'd taken the advice of their old mother and their old father? How many students wish they would have stayed awake in class instead of partying all night and sleeping all day in class? How many times have we put off till tomorrow what we could have done and should do today. Too often we find ourselves in an inconvenient season because we have neglected a convenient season. God didn't hear what I said. I said, how many times too often we find ourselves in an inconvenient season because we have neglected a convenient season. But, but, but some things we know, try as you might, to avoid are inevitable. We know that age will come, sickness will come, separation will come, hairlines will recede. Come on now, waistlines will expand, then get smaller again. Children grow up, retirement will come, and ultimately death arrives. But in our text today, we have a man who, after receiving some news, made a decision to put off to a later date, to put off to a more convenient, he calls it, 
season. He heard some information that quite troubled him. The King James says that he trembled when he heard these words. He trembled, and and what he heard frightened him to the core that his response was just to tuck it away in the back of his mind. You know how we do it put it off to avoid it because we don't want to deal with it right now. He did not want to deal with that, so he tucked it away. He put it off. He tried to avoid it and called for Paul again at a more convenient season. In other words, he was saying, when I find the time, I don't have time to deal with that right now, when I find uh, the time. Uh, You know, I see, briefly, I see uh, three major mistakes that the man Felix made. Three major mistakes that Felix made. Number one, uh, Felix, the first mistake that Felix made was that he thought he could play with God's message. Very simple. He thought he could play with God's message. If there's one thing that you can't play with, that is God's message. God's word. God's word, my friends, says what it says and means what it says, especially when it comes to our salvation. Just because the person doesn't accept it doesn't mean it's not right. You may remember uh, Paul said in the book of Romans chapter number three, verses three and four, Romans chapter number three, verses three and four, for what if some, he says, what if some did not uh, believe? Is that in your Bible? What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Uh, Paul comes back and he says, God forbid. That's a thousand times no. God forbid. Let God be true and every man uh, lie. Understand what I'm saying uh, tonight. You cannot play with God's word. God's word is right. The Bible is right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, uh, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth, that's right, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass pass away. You cannot play with God's word. You can twist it. You can turn it. You can twist it upside down and turn it all around any way you want. You can ignore it. You can hide it. You can try to cover it up. You can close your eyes. You can put your Bible in the back seat. You can put your Bible in the suitcase. You can put your Bible under the bed. God's word is still God's word. In other words, he was saying, you know what? I can't be bothered with all that talk. That talk of what? Paul was talking about righteousness. He said, I I can't be bothered with all that talk of righteousness right now. I'm not trying to hear that, uh, he would say. I'm not trying to hear about that self-control idea now. Leave me alone until I'm ready to hear more about the judgment of God. Perhaps he had some some oaths that he had to sow. You know how we say sometimes we've got to sow our wild oaths and then I'll come back to that. He says, leave me alone. I'm not ready to hear more about the judgment of God. I, I don't have time for that right now. Y'all heard this. I'll call you later. I'll get back with you later. I'll check you on the other side. I'm not trying to hear that right now. It says, you know, really, I hear what you're saying, Paul, uh, and your faith in Christ seems strong 
and all, but, but really that's not where I am right now. Uh, righteousness makes me uncomfortable. Self-controlled temperance makes me nervous because, you know, I have needs, Paul, and, and judgment means that, that I, I've got to give some stuff up, uh, and I'm just not ready for that right now. Uh, I'll call you back later when I get myself together. Have y'all heard your friends say that? When I get myself together, I'll get right. Y'all don't hear me now. Not right now. Just give me give me some other news. I don't want the good news. Give me the fake news. Give me the news that makes me feel good. Even the news that makes me that says you've got all of the time in the world. This good news is too much. Well, why would Felix say something like that? I think mean, history tells us that Felix, this Felix, was a brutal man. He was a brutal and firm-handed governor over the province of Judea from A.D. 52 to A.D. 60. In other words, his reign was was rift with uh, with uh, violence and and upbr- up, up, upbringings, uh, according to. Uh, historian of Tacticus, Felix ruled without fear of punishment from Rome, and this man was very cruel. He, he practiced every kind of cruelty and lust, wielding power, the power of a king with the instincts of a slave. This man was something else. Uh, many people today are living, I believe, with a Felix delusion. Uh, they may not live the lifestyle of Felix, but they still think that they can put off what they need to do uh, until another time. If they put it off, they feel it will go away. Listen, it's inevitable. Uh, when it comes time to our salvation, what you must do will never change. God's word will not change. It will not go away. It will not stop being true. Something that if I don't hear about it, I won't. it won't happen. Uh, that's a delusion. Uh, some uh, people will never change. It didn't change Felix, the word of God is not going to change because you don't agree with it or because you don't want to hear it. It didn't change for Festus. It didn't change for Agrippa, not even for uh, Caesar. And it's not going to change for you or I today. Again, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Felix missed a golden opportunity for life for life transformation because of his present condition. I said, Felix missed a golden opportunity for life transformation because of his present condition. Felix thought by pushing it aside, he could escape its meaning, but he couldn't because God's word is right. And Paul was speaking to him concerning the faith in Christ. That's the doctrine of Christ. He was doing some some reasoning. He was discussing, using logic, thought-provoking arguments, making him think. Uh huh. We know this because it made him uncomfortable. He had to look at what Paul, listen to what Paul was saying, and look back at his life, and he trembled. He felt uncomfortable. You know, a right living, friends, hear me well while I'm here, right living, living right is just as important as teaching the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one church. Oh, yes, a lot of folk can teach one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one church, but yet their lives are just as raggedy as, y'all don't hear me now, 
Well, it's part of the doctrine of Christ, righteousness, temperance, the judgment to come. When I was growing up, we used to have what we call the seven graces, the seven graces, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, the seven graces, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brotherly, kindness, charity, uh-huh. Uh, which is love, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Yes, I missed one, but I got it back. There's seven, and that's just as important as one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. If there's anything that darkness we know doesn't like, and that is the light. And so Felix was sitting in his darkness, and Paul was showing him light, and he trembled. And so he thought he could Push God's message aside and get it when he wanted to get it. Oh, that's a mistake. You can't play with God's word. The Bible says the day you hear his voice today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Well, the second mistake that Felix made was that he thought he could play with God's messenger. Uh huh. He thought he could play with God's messenger. That's the man of God. He thought that he could play with and use him, and he would have him in his pocket. Uh, Felix made what he thought, uh, made that mistake. Uh, He thought he could play with God's messenger. He thought that the man of God was guilty of filthy lucre, love of money, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3. He thought that he could play the bride game, a wash of my back, and I'll wash yours. Go back to the text here. The Bible says in verse number 25 of Acts chapter 24 or verse number 26, he hoped that money should have been given him of Paul that he might loose him, aware of he sent for him, uh, the oftener, and commune with him. Uh, He thought he had this man in his pocket. He thought others would give him money uh, and and allow Paul uh, to go uh, free. Uh, He thought he could play with and play around uh, the man of God. He thought Paul would call a few friends and get them to send him some personal bail money. He had a very low opinion of the man of God. You see, he had a very low opinion of the man of God. You see, why do I say that? It was common for these things to happen, but not with God's man. Paul told Warren Timothy, uh, he said, the love of money is the root of all evil. He would tell him and warn him of those that would be rich because of a snare. He said, warn those who would be rich, rather, because of a snare, 1 Timothy 6, uh, 9 and 17. But Paul, my friends, Paul was a man of integrity, like all men of God, like all preachers of the gospel, ought to be men of integrity. Uh, Paul says again, but thou, O man, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Paul tells his son that First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 11. And this is a lesson for all men of God. As a matter of fact, all people of God. Once you walk down, listen now, once you walk down that road of bribes and favors, you may never get back. He thought he could play with the man of God. You see, integrity is something that we need more of in our world today, in our brotherhood 
even today. You know, somebody has said, and this is personally not even a member of the, of the body of Christ, somebody says the supreme quality of leadership is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible, no matter whether it is on a, a section of a gang, a football field, in the army, or in an office integrity. Somebody else who is not a member of the body of Christ says a real integrity is doing the right thing, knowing that nobody is going to know whether you did or not. Somebody else says the greatness of a man is not how much wealth he acquires, but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him personally. I like this one. Somebody says the foundation stones for a balanced success are honesty, character, integrity, faith, love, and loyalty. That was Zig Ziglar who said that. And then another person says, honor your commitments with integrity. And so a Paul would rather stay in prison than to bribe his way out. I know a lot of us uh, 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 have gotten a bad rap in this area. Uh, that's why you need to pray for the man of God, support the man of God, help the man of God, respect the man of God. And so he thought he could play with the man of God, but Paul was a man of integrity. And finally, in essence, he thought he could play with God's mandate. Uh-huh. He thought he could play with God's mandate. Well, what is God's mandate? Well, listen to God's word. As it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after death is the judgment. Paul mentions uh, the judgment to come in our text as well. And he thought he could get around the fact that we all die and will be judged one day. He thought that by putting off to a more what he said would be a convenient season, that he wouldn't have to stand before God's judgment seat. But guess what? We all must stand before the judgment seat of God on that day. I don't know when Felix died, but I know he did. Uh-huh. Uh, it, 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 it's an appointment that we all must keep. No matter who you are, we all must keep it. Some are late to everything, but you won't be late for that death appointment. You'll be right on time every time. He thought that he could put off or play with God's mandate. You see, again, it is once appointed unto man to die. He thought, oh, I'll just put that aside. I don't have to worry about that right now. I'll wait for a more convenient season. No, you ought not play games with your life today because you know uh, life is short. And not only is life short, death is sure. Not only is life short and death short, judgment is certain. These are all mandates of God that life is short. You only get so much time in life, and just as sure as you live, we all will 
die. Life is short. Death is short. And judgment, my friends, is certain. You will be judged whether you like it or not, whether you believe you will or not, whether you accept it or not, you will be judged. But I, but I come by to tell you tonight that uh, that is the case, but Jesus is the Savior. Jesus could have saved this man, Felix, right then and there had he obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior. We know that heaven is sweet as well. So today, my friends, let today be your convenient season. Here, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God's word is clear on on salvation. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Matthew chapter 28, uh, 18, 19, Romans 6, and three, when it comes to a baptism, you see, uh, some don't want to hear this, but, but baptism is a, a part of the gospel, Mark 16, 15 and 16. And baptism is for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, baptism was taught by Christ. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. baptism puts one into Christ, Romans 6 and 3. And baptism, with baptism, you put on Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, and baptism saves you right now, First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 2. Listen, my friends, don't be like Felix tonight. Don't put off to a more convenient season because you never know. That convenient season may not come. Oh, it might come for some. I've seen some put the gospel off, put obeying the gospel off for years and come back and get baptized and and, and, and they die and I guess they're on the way uh, to heaven. But I've also seen some who put it off and put it off and never made it back to the church house, never made it back to anybody's church. Uh, they died where they were, not making it right, and they fall into the hands of God. I can do nothing with them but share the word of God with them. So tonight, my friends, again, remember the only time we have is now. Today is your convenient season. You're sitting where you are. You're listening to this message tonight, not by chance. This is your convenient season. You may say, Brother Gilbert, well, you know, uh, I'm traveling right now, and I'm just listening to this podcast, listening to this. I'm on a plane somewhere. I'm going somewhere else. You know, well, you better hope and pray that the plane doesn't go down if you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, you'll be in God's hands, and you say, listen, I will, well, you know, it, it's late. And, and I don't know if, if I can get somebody to baptize me. Well, anybody who's a, a preacher in the Church of Christ, if you call me, if you call me at midnight and say, Brother Gilbert, I want to, I heard the gospel, I believe it, I repented of my sins, I'm confessing Christ to be the Son of God, I want to be baptized, I'll get out of my bed, go down to the church building and baptize you. It's not an inconvenient season for me. It's a convenient uh, season anytime I have the opportunity, and you ought to do the same thing if you believe the gospel of Christ, I encourage you, I believe Felix uh, believed it because he trembled, he didn't want to change his life, even Agrippa, he heard the word, I believe he believed the word, but again, he wanted to put it off to another season, and we never read where these individuals came back and heard and believed and were baptized into Christ, they may have, 
but we don't we don't know that the biblical text does not share that tonight. So that's my lesson tonight. I pray God's blessing upon you. I pray again that you let this season be your season. And we leave you in the name of Jesus Christ. May God bless you and may he bless you real good. I turn it over now to our illustrious host, Brother Stephen Butler. God bless. May he bless us all real good until next time. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. I know, Lord, I know the Lord, he'll take care, he'll take care, take care of me, oh, yeah. yes he will. he will, I know the Lord, I know the Lord he'll, take care, he'll take care, take care of me. Call on you and you step in right time. Oh, yeah. I know the Lord. Lord. He'll take care. He'll take care. Take care of me. Oh, yeah. When Lord, I'm trying (laughs) every day to walk in the right way.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank my special guest speaker, Brandon Blankenship, in the first segment. He did an outstanding job. Certainly appreciate his efforts on the radio show. And my co-host, Lou Gilbert. He always does a great job on this broadcast as well. We didn't have a guest. Well, we had a guest scheduled for the Community Corner, but uh, at that, that the last minute, my guest dropped off the program. So we certainly appreciate everyone who participated on the show this evening. What a blessing. What a blessing it is, baby, to put this show on on in midweek, and we're able to hear uh, lessons from the Word of God. So we just pray that the lessons, everything that was taught on this program have been beneficial to your spiritual lives, and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. And on behalf of my co-hosts, Isa Mullen, Shauna Otis, and Lou Gilbert, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. God, good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. If you 
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. You've been listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show, episode 199. This may be the last time. This may be the last time, children. This may be the last time. It may be the last time. Baby, the last time I don't know. 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 Baby,